we launched a remodel program that up to 18 months after the remodel was still showing a 35% sales increase to trend. One of the disciplines that we had at the kind of the relaunch and remodeling of Shining Rockets, we walked through the restaurant and literally anything an employee or a customer would touch or interact with, we held it in our hands. I remember, you know, holding a coffee cup and just saying, you know what, this doesn't feel like a great coffee cup to me. Uh, I don't like the way the handle is. You know, it's not heavy. It doesn't seem like it's going to hold the heat. So we really went through that restaurant and anything, those two massively important constituent groups, customers, employees, we made sure that everything was as good as possible mm. for them. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Welcome back to Lead the Team. And everyone, we've got a great episode coming your way today with James Walker, who is CEO of Frisch's Restaurants, a 75-year-old American comfort food casual-themed restaurant brand famous for its big boy burgers. He's also worked in over 70 countries and been in the restaurant industry since the 90s. And prior to Frisch's, he served as a senior leader over at Subway, where he oversaw their 28,000 restaurants in the U.S. and Canada and also at Nathan's Famous, Johnny Rockets, Baja Fresh, and Cinnabon. He was also awarded the President's E Award by President Obama for excellence in furthering American business internationally. He has an MBA from the Fuqua School of Business at Duke, and he's also completed courses at Harvard, MIT, Yale, Johnson & Wells, Emanuel College, and the New England Culinary Institute. That's a lot of education. Impressive. James, wow. Welcome to lead the team. Thank you. Yeah, a lot, a lot of education. I think that's uh, people that have a lot of education are fall into one of two categories. They're either like super intelligent, studious individuals, or guys like me. And and I think try, you know, we well, are a lifelong learner by self description. And I think you officially are walking the talk there. Yeah, all, the, I, all these degrees. First of all, I'm noticing these are a lot of Ivy League schools. Uh, sure, and yeah. also, um, I'm curious from your perspective. So Ivy League credentials, education versus, uh, I'll, I'll say YouTube university of, of Googling and whatnot, and you may do both, but I'm curious, what's your perspective on learning from the CEO side? Yeah. I, wow. That's a, I've never been asked that question. I would say, you know, I tend to to gravitate to the Ivy League, but also I live in Easton, Connecticut. So, you know, the the Yales, the Harvards, the MITs, you know, they're they're up here. They have mm -hmm. programs. They have programs that were tailored to what I was interested in. And what I have found is there's just there's so much information <laughs> on the internet, and and you can't see it right now, but I I have two giant screens in my office, okay, yeah. and you know I I could set up uh, a web browser in each window, and I could Google a topic I'm trying to learn about, whatever that topic mm. is, right? You know, FASB 606 and revenue recognition, and on each screen, if I click on a different really authentic, legitimate appearing link, 
I could get mm-hmm. completely different stories. So I, I just find, listen, great information out on the internet. One of the reasons I've liked the kind of uh, post-MBA education that some of these schools mm-hmm. offer is I feel that I'm getting clean, clear information from somebody who's done their homework and they've done their research. And I think one of the other benefits that you get from something like that versus kind of the the YouTube university, and, and I'm, uh, I certainly admire those as well, is you're getting a group of other students who are very practiced. Mm-hmm. They, they may be in other industries. They may be in like industries. And you have the ability to kind of push and pull information amongst those groups. So it's something that I uh, have enjoyed. I have learned a lot. Maybe I use a little bit of what I learn, but it's certainly been something that uh, it works for me. Yeah, it's so important to recognize those benefits. A lot of people say, well, online schools, you, you know, Googling what I want to look for, probably great for like day-to-day education. But you mentioned two Cs. One was like, like you didn't say this word, but I but it came up to me was curation. There's so much information out there. Maybe like the new big skill for schools is to become expert, clear, concise curators. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, I, I think that's you know? right. You and know, in the community side of it. Because a lot of times when you when you have these, they're kind of like carrying around your own stock price. When you got up, you know, you have a, you have Harvard, MIT, Yale, you know, the Johnson and Wales, people associate that with excellence. And I think it's like a gravitational pull for other leaders. And so part of it is maybe like you're learning information from the professor, but the caliber of people that are interested in these programs, you know, they're leading other organizations, they're making an impact, and you get to learn from them too. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, you know, kind of all of this comes down today, uh, you know, innovation is key. Even if you look at these super large organizations, innovation is really important to remain competitive. And I would say the phrase I like to use is return on innovation. I've been involved in some organizations Mm -hmm. where innovation took uh, precedence over anything else. And it really wasn't important as to whether that innovation led to anything. And I think today with constrained capital, elevated and increasing interest rates, yes, you still need to have innovation, but you need to have a return on innovation. And part of the way that you can drive innovation and securitize that it's going to go somewhere is have that you know that positive influence from other leaders who are doing the same things. I don't feel a special need to make a mistake that somebody else has already made. So you know, listen, if I can avoid stepping in a puddle or yes. you know or tripping on a branch, I'm okay with that. So I think uh, those other leaders can help with that. Yeah, that's really cool. I haven't heard it put quite like that. ROI, people think of return on investment, but you're thinking about return on innovation. And it's a great privilege to think about because if you've got a budget and you're thinking about trying something new that could have a huge return in your business versus some other investment, uh, maybe the innovation way it is the way to go. Now, looking at your, your incredible track record of name brand restaurants, what is your favorite restaurant? Uh, in a, I was going to say renovation restaurant. I'm sure you've done plenty of those too. What's your favorite restaurant innovation for your career? Yeah, I think a, a couple jumped to mind. You know, Nathan's famous uh, when I was part of that team, working with the just fantastic, loyal, long tenured team that was at Nathan's and still at Nathan's today. We were able to. 
I think reposition is the term I'm going to use, but Nathan's was known so much for this best in class, iconic hot dog, these fresh cut crinkle cut fries, but they weren't known for a lot of other things. And really the strategy we put in place in the repositioning I'm talking about was to relaunch Nathan's famous as the flavor of New York. And I think that's very, it's very aligned with yes, you know, the, the brand architecture and the history of the brand and where it came from, but it also provided, you know, kind of guardrails for what we would carry and what we would not carry. Cause if you're mm. the flavor of New York, there's certain things that fall in that category. And then there's things that don't, and it allowed us like, to have very like clear what? vision. Uh, like- listen, I, Pastrami, for sure. Uh, yeah. We did early in the process, after we we came up with this idea behind being the flavor of New York, we went out and, and we had one of our marketing agencies go interview people on the street. And we said, uh, hey, when you think of New York food... What do you think of? Well, we were we were relieved, not surprised, but we were relieved that hot dogs was in that, you know. <laughs> they validated two, the hot dog. Okay. Yeah. So, somewhere, yeah, somewhere in the early part, hot dogs. But they also said, listen, great burgers, pastrami, sandwiches, and all of those are things that really worked within kind of the framework of that. So that that was one, I think, from innovation around food. And you mentioned uh, kind of innovation around renovation. And when I was with uh, a brand called Johnny Rockets, which is another, you know, kind of quintessential American brand, we launched a remodel program that up to 18 months after the remodel was still showing a 35% sales increase to trend. So if this was a restaurant that was already up 10%, that remodel attributed an additional 35% in sales and really fantastic. And and again, I think showed a great return on innovation, a return on investment as well, because the dollars that we spent on that renovation you know, hmm. today, uh, I remember starting out, people were like, wow, you got to have 36 month cash on cash. Now, you know, it's more like 12 month cash on cash um, hmm. is is the requirement, I think, to invest in a project. Well, what was that renovation innovation that drove at 30? I mean, that's a huge jump. I mean, Johnny Rockets doesn't like you walk in. It doesn't seem like you could renovate. I mean, it has like a fifties vibe. It's vintage yeah. by by feel, right? So what it, what can you innovate or what? Um, what was the so uh, a couple of things I'll say. You know, the term oldies. I'm a huge music person. That's why I have the headset, right? You know, I just listen. I love music. Um, God forbid you're the person who gets in my car and I forgot to turn the radio down. I just love music. But if you said oldies to Gen Z or millennials, I mean, they're thinking Aerosmith, you know, they're, they're like, you know, <laughs> yes. whoa, you know, uh, yeah. Rush, Aerosmith, you mm-hmm. too, the police, you know, that's old. Breaks my for heart. Them. That's an oldie. But, you know, listen, that, yes. that's what they knew. So if you wanted to have a nostalgic diner, that's the kind of music that they would expect. So when they go in and they're hearing, you know, Elvis or kind of Elvis contemporaries, they're like, I don't recognize this and I don't uh, really have an affinity for it. So I think it was, was staying with the positioning of being a diner. And what does a diner mean? 
diner classic food. So, you know, not coming in and, you know, you, you have Asian flavors or things, even though they're trendy, it doesn't fit within that four wall concept. But one of the disciplines that we had at the kind of the relaunch and remodeling of Johnny Rockets is myself and Joel Bolger, who was our chief marketing officer uh, and other individuals on the team. We walked through the restaurant and literally anything an employee or a customer would touch or interact with, we held it in our hands. So, Mm. you know, if it was, you know, a coffee cup, I remember, you know, holding a coffee cup and just saying, you know what, this doesn't feel like a great coffee cup to me. Uh, I don't like the way the handle is, you know, it's not heavy. It doesn't seem like it's going to hold the heat. So we really went through that restaurant and anything, those two massively important constituent groups customers, employees, we made sure that everything was as good as possible Mm. for them. And, you know, I I won't take much more time on this, but as part of this re-image, one of the things that was really important is I was in a restaurant, Johnny Rockets restaurant in uh, Irvine, California, I think at the uh, Spectrum. And I watched one of the employees go into the uh, restroom and change and they were, they took off their Mm. uniform and they were coming out and I said, oh, you know, you're going home. Thank you for your day's work. Uh, I watched you interacting with guests. I love the way you explain the food, you know, big smile. And they said, well, no, I'm not going home. I'm, I'm on my lunch break. I said, well, how long do you get for your lunch break? And they said, 30 minutes. I said, so you change, you go in the bathroom and you change from your uniform, you go on your lunch break, and then you come back and change again. And, and she said, yes. And I said, wow, that's, uh, you know, that, you know, that's like a Spider-Man kind of change thing, right? Uh, you know, cool. Like you yeah. got to, what, what's going on? Do you have a secret identity? And she said, no, I just, the uniform is okay in here, but it's not something that I want to be seen outside of the restaurant. I said, you know, that that's an issue. We, we want mm. a uniform, not that we want you, you know, to put the uniform on if you're not working. Well, we definitely want something that you're proud to be associated with. So we worked with the actual employees to design a uniform and make sure that the materials wore well and they were comfortable and they were proud. And I think that success, I mean, 35% lift is, is huge. Especially yeah. when spread over. That's across you know, multiple, uh, all stores. A lot of data restaurant. points. Yep. So there were some, some certainly that were higher than that. But I think, you know, again, catering to the, the all important guest base as well as the all important uh, employee base. So it sounds like it wasn't one thing you did. It was a multi, you, but it was driven through you and uh, the, the, the CMO sitting in this, in the restaurants experiencing it yourself, like you say, holding the coffee cup and saying, hey, what, you know what, we can do better than this coffee cup. And uh, also playing Aerosmith. Well, yes, (laughs) yes, yes, and yes. People will stay Uh, longer and order more if they're not listening to doo-wop and they're listening to I think that's right. You know, the the other thing, and this is something... And, and it kind of started at Johnny Rockets, but it's it, it's something that's followed me, is making sure that all of the team members understand their job. So I remember going into to Johnny Rockets and I ordered a BLT on white toast and the BLT came out and it was on white bread. And I said, you know, okay, what's the story? And the server said, well, I, I rang in white toast. You know, and that's what went back. So I went back in the line and, and the cook was back there. And I said, you know, what 
what's going on? You know, is is there a technology issue? Is the it bread not, was not toasted? You ordered toast, toast. It was inner toast, but it came out untoasted bread. At least to me as a customer. Right now, right. you know, I try. I really do try not to. You know, we walk in a restaurant and it's a mess, and not to freak out. You know, maybe the bus just pulled up. You know, I try to. Yeah, learn. You're not going to lose your mind. Yeah. So listen, it could have been an issue with the slip printer or the technology or what have you. So I asked, you know, the cook and he said, listen, I took the bread, I put it in the toaster. It came out of the toaster and I made the sandwich. I said, okay. So the reality is he had a toaster that didn't work. His mind was I'm given a set of procedures and I follow those procedures so if if the slip says white toast, I take two pieces of bread, I put it in a toaster, and, and then I make the sandwich. And I said, you know, very kindly, I said, you know, let's work together on this. You are saying your job is to follow these steps. And I think your job is to give the customer white toast. So let's work together where if the procedures that are outlined don't yield an amazing, wow, memorable, craveable, Instagrammable product, you, the cook, you are empowered to go to management and frankly, demand those changes. You don't have the right to challenge the system. You have the obligation so listen, if the, you need a new toaster, if the toaster settings need to be reprogrammed, any number of those things. But the reality is those steps, those menu steps are in place to help ensure that the customer gets what they ordered. But, you know, Mr. Cook, Mr. Chef, whoever's working the window, you need to make sure if those steps don't yield that memorable, craveable, Instagrammable product that the guest ordered – we need to change those procedures. And that's something mm. that I, I've I've tried to instill in all of the organizations. If the systems aren't yielding that wow product, let's change the systems. Oh, so good. That's the difference between having employees that just do their job versus that get a result. And in the restaurants, you know what the result is because you're saying it's memorable and craveable and even Instagrammable, which means that it's going to look pretty good. I mean, that's a really thing that people can identify with. And um, what a result. And then it's empowering them to go have those conversations about it. And um, yeah, I mean, that's a big mindset shift for a lot of people, not even just in the restaurant industry. Yeah. And it's worked, uh, you know, at, at Johnny Rockets, we were very focused in kind of ultimate product training. And what we meant by that is, listen, here's a system that's going to yield this product. But the reality is we want you to make the product look like this. Make it look like something that you would serve, you know, your a family member, a friend, what have you. And I remember when we launched this new flavor of New York menu, there were high quality burgers and sandwiches and, and, and some different things. And we wanted to show them off. We had influencers come in and press and potential franchisees. And I had like my culinary team would be back there mm. because we wanted them to be perfect. And after two weeks, I remember the, you know, the manager saying, James, don't bring your culinary guys in here. First of all, we don't need them anymore. Second, the guys on the line make better looking items. And they were really proud of it, you oh. know, how the sauces and the placement. And listen, uh, Nathan's Famous is fast food. Johnny Rockets is, is fast food. And I think a lot of fast food 
companies, not mentioning any, but they can just get wound up that fast is the critical component. You know, listen, fast yeah. is really important, but still, I want the food to taste great. And, you know, we mentioned, listen, I'm active on Instagram. I love the way food looks when somebody puts it together in a certain way with the right colors and, and what have you. Listen, make the food memorable, craveable, and Instagrammable. Make it as if you're making it for your friend or, or your mother or, or a family member you like. And I think you'll really have dividends paid in the time it takes to do that. You got to understand what's most important to your customer. And if you get the quickest burger of your life, you're not going to remember it. Yeah. If you get one of the tastiest burgers and you had to wait a little bit longer, you're going to remember yeah, but it. You talk to restaurant guys, right? You know, so I, I remember, I think everyone my age, okay, my age, maybe not maybe not younger folks, but it goes back to if you ran a casual theme restaurant and, you know, it got a little later in the night and, you know, you're still open, you still want guests to have an amazing experience, but you stop brewing coffee. And somebody would come in and say, I'll have a cup of coffee. And you'd go in the back and, you know, those old glass coffee receptacles. And you're looking and you're like, yeah, that coffee is not good. You know, it's, it's just not going to be a great cup of coffee. Yes. And what we were always trained and what we trained others is go out and say, listen, I've got a pot of coffee back there. It doesn't look great. If you can wait six minutes, I'll brew you a fresh pot of coffee. And, you know, who doesn't say, no, 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 bring me that old coffee. No, they say, oh, yeah, listen, six minutes for a great fresh pot of coffee. Yeah. So I and think you delight, you know, that's probably their favorite part of the meal. Abs yeah, absolutely. A fresh and, cup of coffee sitting in a restaurant. And they tastes way better than at your house for some reason. They've been catered to as well. So I, I think taking the time to do something in a way that you're proud of, you know, I remember uh, we didn't talk about it, but back, you know, many, many years ago before the, you know, the dawn of time and I was cooking for a living, you know, back before there were iPhones or Blackberries and I was a pastry chef in a restaurant and I remember sending out, you know, uh, a creation that I'd made in a fine dining restaurant and a customer standing on their chair in the dining room with a 35 millimeter camera and taking a photo of that dessert that I had sent out. And that really resonated with me, you know, just how important the visual aesthetic is in your food. And that's still, you know, this is a long time ago. And I still, re I still remember that story and how impactful that was on me. So well, I think uh, I can still hear you tell it. How yeah, special that must be to work so hard and then you go out there and this is way before social media days. So even the rarity, it must yes. have been even rarer. Yeah, I, um, I, I think this is back when we were all using AOL on a, on like a CD-ROM. <laughs> so, oh, you know, great. and a 300 baud modem. So it was a real long time ago. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. So a couple of different uh, perspectives. Everyone, if you haven't checked out James on Instagram, 
do that. And what's your, is James Walker mobile? Is that right? Yeah. So I, I think Instagram, uh, so I've got a website, which has all my links, which is just jwalkermobile.com, J-W-A-L-K-E-R-M-O-B-I-L-E, jwalkermobile.com. And it has all my links, the organizations I'm involved in, including Frisch's, yes. you know, a, a, a brand whose history is so fascinating and so important to the industry. If you do some research on Frisch's, there's another brand that I idolize, and that's McDonald's. Listen, I grew up, didn't have a lot of money, and you know we got to go to McDonald's once a month, and that was like a really big deal. So growing up, you know, I saw McDonald's when you could smoke in the dining room. Sure, and then- I remember those days, and you had the ball pit and all that other. Ball pit. I remember when you started getting free refills. I remember when they launched breakfast and I was just like, you know, how can that be? But it's interesting because there's a couple of products Mm. that are very signature over at the Golden Arches that really were McDonald's attempt to uh, compete with Frisch's. So, you Mm. know, Frisch's, you know, an iconic brand a phenomenal dedicated leadership team you know our president and coo darren white over every single day not only trying to drive the brand but we talk about the importance on return on innovation you know darren and jordan and cheryl and john the head chef over there are very focused on providing innovation in a way that matters to Frisch's customers. And a lot of that has to do with value. Mm-hmm. You know, where Frisch's sits kind of in that uh, Cincinnati, Ohio market, value is really important. And they're very, very, very focused on that. But if you go to my website, there's links to Frisch's, a new group of restaurants um, that I'm involved uh, in are under the heading of experiential brands. And when you have a company called experiential brands, as you can imagine, innovation and food quality and experience, all of those things, names matter, words matter. So, you know, more on the uh, modern innovation. And we talked about this memorable, craveable, Instagrammable. There's a few things that that I always add to that. You know, it needs to be profitable and it needs to be operational. So if you've mm-hmm. got a great product, but only the chef can make it, or only the culinary team can make it, that's not going to work. Within the experiential brands, led by Aziz Hashim, who's you know, somebody I look up to and has taught me a huge amount, an icon in the franchising industry. He wanted experiential brands to be, I'm, these are my words. He would never say this. Uh, he's a very humble guy. So I'm going to be not humble for him. He really wanted experiential brands to be a company that offered a business to franchisees, not only here in the US, but around the world, that offered a real business model Mm. that allowed them return on investment. And in order to get there, this this series of brands, of which there'll be six, uh, we have four that were public uh, right now, they had to be easy to execute, but have that memorable, craveable, Instagrammable food, but do so in a way that's capital expenditure light and easy to execute because of what's going on in the labor situation today. So all those links are on that so uh, website. They are restaurants, right? Each brand underneath 
experiential brands a different restaurant concept. Exactly. So we have some of the brands, Original Hot Chicken, a phenomenal brand of all the brands I've worked with. And you mentioned not all of them, but a fair amount. This is a brand where the only term I can use is like lightning in a bottle. Just the, the food is absolutely phenomenal. Great from a customer standpoint, but very easy to execute from a franchise owner standpoint. We have inked tacos, a birria taqueria. So, you know, birria is just a phenomenal braised beef product. And, you know, we, we, we've, that's kind of our signature product, Pinza Roman pizza, and then Hmm. launching this week, Flame Town Burgers. So those are really the first four categories, you know, chef driven cuisine, but replicatable short time to train employees and bring them up to speed, memorable, craveable, Instagrammable food and experience, but done so in a way that yields return on investment for franchisees. And uh, if you go to the website for experiential brands, it says profit-focused franchising. And and again, I'm going to brag on Aziz that this is a culmination of his 40-year career and trying to give something back to the industry that's that's really unique. Cool. I can't wait to experience it myself. One of the things that came up for me is like, I'm like 28,000 Subway restaurants. That's a lot. Saying yes. that, that's a lot of people. You got to assume what yep. there's five to ten people that work in every one. Sure, probably. I mean, it's when when you're over that. I mean, what and you, you look back over that time at Subway. Uh, what was a a lesson that you learned that was that was helpful that leaders can benefit from? Yeah. I, so uh, and listen, you. I think leader good leaders learn from good lessons and they they learn from maybe less comfortable lessons um i am somebody who i really want to interact uh, go back to the johnny rocket story mm-hmm. if you know if there's a problem you know the white toast white bread issue yeah, that's you know, a great i'm story. not I'm not going to call the, you know, the COO or, you know, let's get the head of calling. I'm going to walk in the kitchen and say, what's going on with the bread? And I really enjoy working with those that touch the customer. And I honestly, I love, uh, one of the things I really enjoy about Frish is everyone has a story about Frish's. Everyone has a story about Frish's. And I love walking through the dining room and have somebody tell me how important Frishes is to their upbringing or their life or their family. I want to interact with customers and want to interact with the employees who interact with customers. And that was hard for me at Subway. Subway academically, when you come out of you know business school, you know, all of those exercises you go through in an MBA program, you know, numbers with lots of zeros. Subway has lots of zeros. Yeah. It, it's a phenomenal brand. I used to say to Don Furtman, who was kind of my mentor there and chief development officer, hey, in the great game of business, you guys won. Let's be clear. Because he he was somebody who, you know, James, is there a different way? How could we do something better? He always wanted to, to push the envelope. Mm. And I'm like, okay. I've got some ideas, but let's start from the place of you won. Um, yeah. So don't mess let, it up at this point, please. Yeah, I think there, there's <laughs> there's something to that. And when you say yeah. don't mess it up, you know, Subway was built around low investment and 
providing real price value to the customers. And I still think those are cornerstones. So to answer your question, you know, the, the learning lesson that I'd pass on to other leaders is understand where you want to be. I want to be in a company where I can be in the field, where I can talk to customers, where I can take their feedback. And, you know, if I, you know, James, I like the food, but I wish this was a little sweeter or sour or saltier. You know, can I go back to the kitchen and see if it's an operational issue or is it a recipe mm-hmm. issue? I like to be a little closer to the business than Subway allowed me to be. So it it's not, I'm not going to be at my best unless I'm able to be closer to the business than an organization like Subway allowed me to be. Yeah, you're not going to visit all 28,000 restaurants very easily. And it's, no, and, it, <laughs> and, so, uh, and so, hard- so you kind of, by trying a lot of things as a leader, you do get to sometimes the best way to go about success in your career is process of elimination. So you try things, you're like, yeah, I can do that, but it's not, not my favorite. And I can tell by looking at your Instagram and your stories of Johnny Rockets, you do like to be in the field and y'all, this is a CEO in the restaurant business. Who's, I mean, you're in the restaurant's other people's restaurants, fine dining. I mean, every, every end of the spectrum. I mean, what, what guides your, I'll say your culinary ex, uh, exploration. You know, I think enjoyment and and fun, you know, I don't like rules from a food standpoint and that, that would be a whole nother, you know, you can't put ketchup on a hot dog. Uh, yeah, you can. You know, I, I'm not a, I don't <laughs> like to yuck other people's yums. You know, if, if you mm. like, you know, your food to be prepared in a certain way, I think a great chef is about, yes, having a vision and artistry, but also it's about trying to make people happy. And that to me should be the highest enjoyment in a chef is not, you know, I created this masterful piece uh, of art that's going out in a plate. That's great. But to me, mm-hmm. I really like chefs and culinarian and, and restaurant tours who, uh, and listen, I've been able to interact with, you know, Mr. Chow and Jeffrey Chattero and some of these icons mm-hmm. in the industry, and they are about customer experience. And to me, the restaurants I really love are about customer experience, whether it's in and out Burger, you know, which is absolutely fantastic, or Chick-fil-A, or you know, frishes with long-term passionate employees who've learned every guest name, you know, all the way up to, you know, the Michelin star restaurants. Uh, I was in Milan uh, on business and the last night I was there, a chef that I, I had kind of met virtually invited me in. And I think it was in the restaurant for five and a half hours. And we just, you know, we talked wow. and it was just, you know, it was fun and exciting. <laughs> Simon, I want to go to a restaurant with you. Sure. Yeah. That's, uh, I want, to, I want to come to your stomping grounds and get the James Walker experience. But I will go to Frisch's too. And maybe, maybe there, or we can go to New York. Well, maybe we'll do both. Absolutely. Uh, or yeah. Atlanta to, we have, uh, for experiential brands, we have one larger location in Sandy Springs where we actually are going to have all of our brands under one roof. All right. Um, and I, I will, <laughs> I will admit there's a little hubris here. I am so proud of the food that the team at Experiential Brands has created under the original Hot Chicken and Flametown Burger. 
I love to show it off. So anytime anybody right. wants to you know, meet in Atlanta, let's do it. All right, everybody, you heard that adventure. Just, just starting to wind this up. I'm not letting you get off here with tell me, what is it like getting an award from the president of the United States? Uh, you know, it was really special. And, you know, as as we've mentioned, I'm I'm a very social person and I'm very active on social media. I try to stay away from politics, but I have a lot of respect for people in that office. And I've been able to meet you know, I've met Bill Clinton a number of times. I, I can't. I don't want to say whether I, I support necessarily his politics, but listen, As he I was recall, a guy. He liked. He liked, or still does like a good hamburger. He he is of every president <laughs> I met. I was like, this is a guy. I want to go to In and Out Burger and get <laughs> double doubles and fries and talk about how good the burgers are because I don't know a lot about politics. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of Americans like if I had you know the ear of the president for five minutes, I'd talk about policy. No, no, I want to talk about hamburgers and and of the presidents. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, it was very very special and you know some something uh, a great memory for me. Mm. Yeah, that's really cool. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And I think it's really neat too. You don't think the restaurant industry doesn't seem to be one that's on the tip top of the awards from the president. And I think it should be because it, they, they definitely impact the world, families, friends, social activities. They, you know, they drive some interesting conversations and play a really unique role in our communities. And I think it's really cool when I was going through your website and kind of going through your philosophy, I feel like you get that and you're, it almost feels like you're in addition to CEO, you've stepped into this place of curator because you, you have hotels, you have restaurants, you have other, you know, different things. So you're stepping into a lot of different spaces and it seems like you're exploring and you really want to highlight the ones that you think are the top of the game. What, what do you think, or what's your advice to leaders who are maybe somewhat active on social, but aren't taking it really seriously? Uh, uh, what's your word to them? So uh, I'll answer a little different way. I, I think if you're in a brand that needs transformation for whatever reason, just because of where it is in its mm-hmm. lifespan or changes in the macro economy on, on where you are or changes in purchasing habits, make yourself mm-hmm. accessible you know, to to the consumer and to the employees. Uh, a couple of leaders that I I mentioned, Aziz Sashim, and a leader that I have a, a huge amount of respect for. He's forgotten more about buying and selling restaurant companies than I'll ever know. Uh, another leader by the name of Chris Elliott, who helms a company by the name of Beef O'Brady's. Mm. These are guys. If they want to know what's going on in a restaurant. They walk from the front door back to the kitchen and, you know, what's going on. So I think the advice I would have, whether it's through social media or another mechanism, is make sure you're making yourself accessible, whether it's LinkedIn or whether, you know, it's Twitter or what have you. Put yourself in a position where employees can get to you and the general public can get to you and provide unvarnished feedback. Uh, I find it very helpful and I think others would as well. Wow. That's the opposite of what a lot of, I think it's different than being a CEO and say, Hey, I need to spend some time with frontline workers or or frontline leaders. You're saying, make yourself accessible for feedback to the general public, uh, which might not, might not be comfortable for a lot of people. 
so yes, I think that's that's edgier than maybe it's it, it's coming off to some people. But I encourage people and the listeners to take that under consideration. How are you, how are you making yourself accessible? And when you do that, are you doing that through be your being out in restaurants? Does does is Instagram and LinkedIn are those two areas for you uh, productive in that way also? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And you know, some I think. The reason individuals may not do it is they think they just become a complaint mechanism. And that's not what I have found. And in you know, some cases, certainly, I, I will get an acute customer service issue, and I probably should be aware of it. But more often than not, it's, it's you know, are you aware of this? Have you seen this? In some cases, it's an opportunity for me to educate. Certainly, coming out of COVID, there were supply chain issues around the world. And that may not have been properly communicated to customers where they're thinking, listen, you know, I, I've always got this product. I love this product. Why did you take it off the menu? Well, we didn't take it off the menu. We're, we're desperately trying to secure supply on that. Uh, okay, great. Hey, thank you. And by the way, I'll, I'll put a reminder that when we have that product, I will email you directly. In some cases, it's just, you know, are you aware of this? Have you thought of this? I find it really, really helpful. And again, I think successful businesses, if you look at those businesses I admire, whether they're restaurants Mm -hmm. or hotels, online retailers, those are businesses that curate, to use a term you like, curate a customer experience that really is memorable and something that uh, provides joy to the customer. James, thanks for coming on Lead the Team today. My absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.